Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, feel really blessed to be here this morning. Uh, I woke up. I've been sick for a week. My kids for two weeks before that, you know, there's been a lot of that going around. I woke up this morning and, man, I feel I feel alive for the first time in a long time. I mean, probably operating at 70%, which who could ask for more than 70%, right, teens? I mean, parents, right? I mean, 70%, this feels like a win right now for me. Maybe not in every aspect of life, though. I take that back. Um, But I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, I think God has good things in store for us. We've been in a study in the Gospel of Luke, um, trying to hear just through new new ears um, the story of Jesus and um, and and what it has for our lives. Uh, some of the major questions and focuses in the Gospel of Luke um, are uh, first the identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Was he a great teacher? Was he a prophet? Was he God come to earth? What is the identity of Jesus? Is a major question that Luke is asking and trying to answer in his Gospel. Um, Luke goes to great lengths to uh, describe how marginalized people in his culture, um, that is people on the outskirts of society, not not the core of the community, um, not not the most loved people, um, he, he goes to great lengths to explain how Jesus loves and engages marginalized people around him. He speaks of um, the way Jesus interacts with prostitutes in a Pharisee's home we spoke about a few weeks ago. He speaks of the way uh, Jesus engaged leprous people who weren't even allowed to live within the city limits, but he would go to them and and not just heal them with his words, but lay his hands on these people. Uh, Luke speaks over and over of the way Jesus interacts with marginalized people. this sounds a little archaic in our culture, but uh, Luke speaks over and over of the way Jesus engages women in his ministry in significant ways, moves, pushes far beyond the cultural bounds of his day where, uh, where women couldn't learn in the universities um, or, uh, or vote, right? And, and so he pushes far beyond the bounds on these subjects as Jesus includes people that, that society says, nope, you're on the outside for some, in some way, shape, or form, uh, but Jesus, creates these communities of just radical inclusion and love for marginalized people. We're going to continue in the Gospel of Luke today. We'll be in Luke chapter 8. And um, and as we get rolling, I've just got to say, um, God's Word is powerful. Um, there's something special that happens when we listen intently to God's Word. So I'm going to invite us to do that this morning, and uh, and we're going to pray over it as, as we begin that. Father, we thank you um, that your word is good, that it is powerful, and that it holds beautiful potential in our lives. So this morning, Father, I pray that you will... Uh, that you will speak, that you will give us ears to hear um, your word, that we can uh, hear from you and be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 8, we'll uh, we'll begin in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cuzza, uh, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. And these women were helping to support them from their own means. Well, well a large crowd, crowd gathered, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. 
So let's just pause briefly there. He tells parables. Jesus speaks their illustrations, um, something practical, something uh, understandable, something physical and tangible that, that Jesus draws spiritual applications to. So, so today we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught. Uh, we're going to try to understand what did Jesus have to say as he described this practical thing, in this case, a farmer sowing seed, right? And and often the parables um, can be perceived to be just really simple, just really easy, right? Uh, because we draw out these formulas, and this means that, and this means that, and then we understand the parable, and we're done with it. But I think in reality, uh, we, we do our, ourselves a disservice if we um, if we diminish the fact that, that these go deep, that there is depth in in a parable. There is um, a reality and an understanding that couldn't be defined by those individual lines and parts. Otherwise, he would have just made those points. There's a depth and a beauty to a parable and a story with a with um, a, a purpose to illustrate something spiritual. And so today we're gonna we're gonna dig into a parable. Um, it, it says that Jesus is going from town to town now, and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Of God, and that's an interesting statement to me. Um, Jesus is speaking good news to people, and the subject that he's speaking for in in town to town is uh, the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God um, uh, is sometimes called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but this is this is the message that Jesus is is speaking to people, and, um, and and the fascinating thing about the kingdom is Jesus speaks in present and in future tense. So he says, the kingdom has come, and yet just right next to it, he'll say, and the kingdom is coming. So the kingdom, in real simple terms, is the place where God reigns, right? God is the king. There's people in this kingdom, um, and, uh, and and there's a, a law by which the people live, right? That's the idea of just a king, and it says God's kingdom has come and is still coming. And, and so it's fascinating to listen to Jesus to help us understand through these parables a little bit more of this kingdom that is, and yet its fruition, its fullness, is still in the process of coming. And so this morning, that, that, that leads to a really beautiful opportunity for us to consider um, that God is doing something new. It's often easy to read God's word and to think of how he's teaching about the kingdom as a first century thing. Like, see, Jesus was, was ushering in something new. And while that's entirely true, the idea of this inaugurated kingdom, a kingdom that is and is still to come, means that this morning, as we read God's word and as we hear this parable, God is, God can be, God is doing something new. The kingdom is continuing to be ushered in as we read these words, as they change our lives, as they affect the way that we live. Um, so so I want to read this parable. God is doing something new this this morning. So in, uh, in Luke 8, verse 5, he tells this parable. He tells this story. He says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was, tra- it was uh, trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and uh, grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Do we have any uh, farmers in the house today? Nope, none of us. That's kind of what I expected to find out. Um, I'm not terribly educated on farming, but I'm curious if anyone else, uh, none of us terribly educated on the subject of far- farming, if anyone else has an initial feeling when they read this, this farmer scattering seed, um, 
did anyone else think that's a really bad farmer? Like, what is he doing with his seed that he is throwing it on paths and rocky areas? Now, any of us that were farmers or or that knew a little bit more about farming, we would say, no, I mean, uh, farms are planted in rows, right? Seed is of value, and you're careful with seed, and and it's planted intentionally. And Jesus tells this parable to two farmers in the first century, and they know what a good farmer looks like, and they know that's not it. Right? They know this is a this is a strange situation when a farmer is haphazardly throwing his seed all over paths and rocky areas and not pulling up the thorn bushes. And so it creates a, an immediate question and a, an immediate concern, like like what's going on who, with this farmer, right? And he speaks in in this parable of of a, of this path, okay? And 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 when when seed falls on the path, it's trampled on by the people walking on it. Or it's eaten up by the birds, and, and it produces little or nothing. Um, it, he speaks of the seed that's thrown onto rocky soil. And, uh, and it grows up, but it withers quickly because it has no water. Right? It can't grow roots and, and be strong in this rocky soil. And he speaks of uh, this thorny area with, with weeds and things. And, uh, and the plants grow, but then they're choked out. And then he speaks of the good soil and a crop of 100 times what was planted. And and again, in a farming culture, uh, we would say, what in the world? I mean, this isn't a math problem. That's not the primary subject of this message. But let's say 25% of the seed then hit good soil. And of those 25 seeds that hit good soil, 2,500 times is produced out of them. You know, I mean, this is, this is big. 2,500 plants are produced out of 25 seeds. So, so he said two things so far in his parable that as, as farmers were thinking of, we're thinking that farmer's kind of crazy. Uh, he's, he's reckless with his seed. Um, and secondly, we're thinking, but that is really good seed and, and that is really good soil. The seed is effective. And the farmer is generous as he sows it. Okay, that's what we're thinking so far as we read through. And I'm going to be really honest as we as we move into the next piece and read it. This is hard for me. This is a challenging piece. Uh, Jesus often teaches challenging things. Uh, I once heard someone say, um, "But hard teachings produce soft hearts, and soft teaching produces hard hearts." And I thought that was an interesting statement. Jesus makes hard statements um, when, when he teaches, and, uh, and people struggle with them. And at times, people walk away because of them. Um, but Jesus doesn't shy away from saying some hard and some challenging and some honest things with the purpose. I think that's a good quote. I think that's, that's good wisdom that, that as I am challenged by Jesus' strong statements— it creates a softness of heart in me. It, it challenges me. It molds me in some way, shape, or form. And so, so Jesus says here in the middle of verse 8, um, when he said this, he had just told the parable. He called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And I like when Jesus is humorous. We might not get it now, right? But, but I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's a whimsical, it's a, it's a funny statement that Jesus is making there. He's like, okay, who in the audience here, who has ears? And, you know, check it out. Okay, yeah, you have ears. And then there's that one guy that, that's missing an ear, right, because he was in a tragic accident. He's like, it's okay, I can fix that. And then he says it again, you know, who has ears? All right, then hear what I have to say. Okay, and he continues, um, 
Uh, he who has ears, let him hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. And, and that's the challenge in the passage. Sometimes we would read that and, 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 and believe that God's, God's word or, or his teaching is like veiled. Like he's trying to keep it secret from people. They'll get to hear it, but they won't get to understand it or receive it. And I don't think that's, that's in reality at all what Jesus is saying here. He says, um, if you have ears, then you can hear. But he acknowledges that there are people that hear and yet never understand. It never goes deeper than just, I heard that. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in a minute when, when he explains what his parable means here today. But... Um, but how often do we walk into a church or listen to a podcast or a song on the radio and we're like, yeah, that's really nice, and then walk away and have no clue what we heard and it has no impact on his life? I mean, Jesus acknowledges we are good at hearing without hearing. I acknowledge that I am really good at hearing without really hearing, without it going any deeper. And, and Jesus here, in, in fact, he's, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm not going to go into it in detail, but if you want to at home look at the story, it's one that might be kind of familiar to some of us, but Isaiah 6, uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 1, um, Isaiah chapter 1, it's the very beginning God is calling this man Isaiah, he's, he's um, in this heavenly scene where he's having a vision of God on his throne, and, uh, and all these heavenly hosts, and they say, we've got this mission, but who should we send? And Isaiah says, this might be a familiar line, here I am, send me, right? This humble guy in, in a heavenly scene amongst a heavenly throne. And he's like, well, I'm here, send me, right? And this is beautiful. I mean, as we send people on mission, we're going to read that passage and we're going to pray over them. And what we very rarely ever do is read the ninth verse, which is where God says to Isaiah, here's your message I want you to go and preach. He, he says, um, he says, go and tell this people, the Israelite people, God is speaking to the Israelite people. He says, um, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And he's speaking to the hearts of the Israelite people, that they have so calloused themselves and so turned themselves off that when they hear God's word, they can no longer hear it. And that's Isaiah's message to preach. And Jesus says, Today in the first century, and I think we can acknowledge today in the 21st century, so often we can hear God's word without ever hearing it. Okay, so, so that's what Jesus is speaking to today. The idea that God's word can be heard and not accomplish anything. And so he told this parable, and now he'll explain that parable in those terms, hearing but not hearing, seeing but not seeing. The word is good, the, the seed is good. But it doesn't mean it's going to take root every time. Okay, so here we go. He's going to explain his parable in, uh, in verse 11. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path, um, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in, time, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. 
and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So Jesus lays out for us this, this parable then. Um, in fact, we have a slide that we can kind of look at those, those parallels. Um, so he speaks of this, this path, right? And he says, well, first of all, let's back out just a little bit. He speaks of the seed that is the word of God. Right, And this morning we said, I believe God's word is good and it's powerful. But Jesus speaks in this parable to this really challenging reality that even if the seed is good, and even if the farmer is throwing it incredibly generously, it doesn't take root in every heart. And today, as, as we start to look then at, at how this parable breaks down in our lives, sometimes we would say, okay, so which soil are you? Which of the four are you, right? And that's a fine application. It, it might be that I have become um, completely rocky and my faith has withered, right? That, that might be entirely my story. But there's, there's also the option that, that maybe aspects of my life I have closed off to God. Maybe it's not an all or nothing thing. Maybe this morning as, as we explore it, I, I realize that, um, that there are things in my life that are choking out my faith. I have allowed weeds and thorns around me to choke off some of what God's word could be accomplishing and doing in my life. So Jesus says um, there, there's this path, right? Some, some of God's word falls on people that, that their, their life, their heart, their soil, it, it's, like, it's like the path that the farmer was walk, walking on. And the devil comes, and, and he's going steal to steal it away because God's word is going to sit on the surface of my heart, just ripe for the plucking, and someone or something can come along and, and snatch it up. It never went below the surface of my heart, and it's trampled on by you know the, the happenings of life because I never let it inside. He says, as, as, as I hear God's word at times, I'm like this rocky soil. And I'm excited, right? And I, and I begin to, to grow, but there's no depth to it. There's no, there's no roots underneath. And so this faith that maybe still exists is withered, and it's weak, and it's not producing what it could. And let me just say on this subject, if, if that resonates a little bit with you, it, it does with me, um, the message today or the message Jesus would bring to us in this parable is not uh, – See, see how messed up you are, see how weak you are in your faith. No, the message that he would bring is, I want you to produce. I, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be healthy. I want you to live vibrant lives. That's the difference in withered or thriving, right? And so, so then he's, he speaks of this soil, our, our hearts that are thorny and choked out by worry and rich and, and pleasure, Right, and, and it prevents maturity. And I really think Jesus was just speaking directly to American culture in the 21st century here. And the Israelites, maybe they got a little something out of it. But I mean, listen to that list: worrying and riches and pleasures. I mean, uh, we our society has become so consumeristic, and things aren't wrong. And yet, so often, our pursuit of things becomes everything in our lives. Right? Uh, we have so much to worry about, and we are so over text and so busy in life. I mean, we sit down to watch a movie, which in reality probably isn't the best relaxing thing we could do in our lives, but we sit down to watch a movie and we have our phone with us and we're looking up the name of actors and we're responding to texts. I mean, texts, I mean, how often are we doing so many different things that even when we could and should be resting, 
we're not, right? So we live lives of worry and busyness. Riches so often become our pursuits, and pleasure so often becomes the lens through which we interpret anything in our life. You know, I, I don't know. It may be good, but I just didn't really like it, so we move on to other things, right? But how often are the best things for us in life sometimes challenging, you know, sometimes we have to work at, in fact, I think always the best things in life are the things that we're going to work for. But so often we view our life through this lens of just pleasure. Did it feel good? Did I enjoy it? And, and so we move on to the next thing that will help us feel a little bit better, right? And he says, those of us that struggle in those ways, it's because we've allowed thorns and weeds and other things in life to grow up and to choke out what potentially God's word could be doing in our lives. And then he speaks to the good soil. He says there's a good soil. And when God's word is planted in good soil, man, it produces a crop. A hundred times what was planted can grow when, when there is a heart that is prepared to receive God's word. So here's the challenge that, that I face in here. I, change a, I face a challenge of, so what do we do with our heart when it's not that cultivated, healthy soil? What do I do with the aspects of my life that, that I haven't surrendered to God, that I'm allowing other things to choke out the fruitfulness that God desires for my life? And, and, I, and I realize this as I consider it. It's never the responsibility of the soil to cultivate itself. In Jesus' illustration of a farmer, who does the cultivating of a soil on a farm? It's that farmer that does the cultivating of the soil. And so this parable speaks of a God who generously sows seed everywhere. It's not like, it's not like God looks at this person and says, well, no, they're not good soil, so they don't get any of my seed. They don't get any of my word. They don't get any experience from me. No, God is sowing generously everywhere, right? And, 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 and the application in our lives becomes, uh, sure, we've got some work to do to, to, to prepare ourselves, but ultimately, maybe our largest work in this life is to say, God, will you cultivate me? God, will you reshape my heart? Will you make me fertile soil in, in which your word and beautiful things can grow up? That is a primary work in our life. And, and so there's this balance between like, how do I change myself? But hold on, the farmer wants to work in my life to, to make me a healthy soil. So as we talk about spiritual disciplines or practices, it's not that I can change myself through them, but maybe that I make myself more available to the working of the farmer. As I, as I sit and I take in God's word and I struggle with it and there's times we'll come across questions we just can't answer that day, but that's okay because I am making myself available to the farmer to do his work and to cultivate in me a heart that can change. As I, as I spend time just in, in solitude, alone, in, in my thought or just silencing myself. I'm allowing that farmer to work in my heart and to cultivate me. As I spend time in prayer, I'm inviting God to, to come and to work in my life. I'm communicating with that farmer about who I am and what I'm inviting him to do. See, the beautiful, the, the good news that Jesus brought about the kingdom of heaven as he told this parable to people is he said there's people that can hear and never hear. And it's because of the state of their heart. 
It's because they have hardened to the to the extent that God's word is just sitting on the surface waiting to be plucked away or kicked off the path, and it's gone. But his parable goes on to, to show us that that a good farmer can can grow good things with a good seed. And that in each of our lives, there is this potential um, that God can grow and do beautiful, beautiful things. So I want to invite us this morning to consider a good farmer who is generous, recklessly generous with his seed. We've used that word reckless a few times. I think that's what God is doing as he talks about marginalized people and things and God's love. It is reckless in nature, right? So this farmer that sows generously, and I want to invite us to consider uh, just a prayer this morning that says, God, will you do your work in me? God, God, will you uh, help to form my heart that, um, that as I hear your word, that it can do the beautiful and powerful things it's designed to do. Uh, God, that something good can grow up out of this. So, so let's spend a minute and approach God in prayer on that. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are the God um, who sows generously and uh, has spoken to us each in, in some way, shape, or form. Father, here we are this morning. And yet, Father, I acknowledge in my life uh, that, that there are aspects of my heart that I have not yielded to you. But, Father, you are a good farmer who desires to cultivate and grow good things in my life. And so I pray, Father, that we can, can, um, that we can know more of you. Um, Father, that you would work in our lives, that you would prepare our hearts uh, to be changed by you. Father, I thank you that you desire to do good in us, that you desire to grow good things, that you desire to use us um, in your kingdom. So, Father, help us uh, to be moldable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.